Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I'm saying that our response to Iran was weak, um, far weaker than I actually anticipated, far weaker than, than I imagined, which is which is saying something because I wasn't expecting much. I wasn't expecting much from the administration. Three Americans killed. I was not expecting this administration to engage in a level of strength because in engaging in a level of strength might be seen by the party, the Democratic Party, as too, too much support for Israel. It might be seen as, oh, you're now the warmongers, Biden administration. Besides, we're already calling you Genocide Joe because you won't stop Israel from actually stopping the terrorist threat that is Hamas, which is, of course, connected to Iran. And Iran is, of course, the ones that killed three Americans. You can tell me about all the fringe groups you want. This response didn't seem like much. This response seemed like a whole bunch of nothing. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Major Mike Lyons joins us, retired United States Army. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to share a couple of things with you in in a second, sir. But but first, uh, your your take uh, to the response from the United States military. We hit strategic uh, targets. Uh, we, we hit with a precision, 125 plus precision, either strikes or precision munitions were utilized. That seems to be the focus of the administration. Was this a response that said you kill Americans? We deal with you properly. Well, Tony, thanks for having me. I thought it was a good first response. I don't think this is the last thing that we're going to do. I think it's part of now the new deterrence campaign to try to restore the balance back to, to where it should be. And that is uh, it should not be you know acceptable for the Shia militia groups to attack American forces that are there. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, 85 targets or so, it, it was good. I mean, we didn't we, we telegraphed enough for the leaders to get out of town. And, and I think that should have been a better target. I mean, if we didn't get any of those leaders within the first 24 to 48 hours after they attacked Americans, it's likely we weren't going to get them. But I still think they're on our radar the second they come back into uh, Iraq. Uh, obviously, they're all in Iran right now someplace, but they come back into Iraq, they should be targets. So, so no, I'm, I'm OK with how this has started. And I'd like to see it continue. I'd like to see, for example, a no-fly zone over Iraq. I'd like to see a more uh, detailed campaign with regard to the situation. A no-fly zone would require uh, far more uh, pressure from the United States and far more uh, engagement in, in in the area. So I think there'll be some people who, who disagree with you on, on that one, Major, talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, West Point graduate. Uh, but there's the... The idea of, and and you keep hearing this conversation about proportionality. Well, they killed three Americans, but we can't go overboard, right? You can't do too much. Can you describe this concept of proportionality and how very often politically it's utilized incorrectly? Sure. And and it just has to do with um, what, you know, the response has got to be, let's say, in kind. And in this case, uh, we traded off uh, the lives of three soldiers for a very significant uh, amount of physical damage that took place. Uh, the the Iraqis claim that there were 16 killed on their side. I mean, if you're on the other receiving side of this, obviously you think that you're at war with the United States. Uh, but from a proportionality perspective, it means, st- let's say, staying within the sandbox of Syria and Iraq. Um, I think that any attacks inside of Iran would increase the the level of attacks. And in some cases, 
a disproportionality as a way of deterrence works for Israel, for example. They are disproportionate normally with regard to how they respond. But but in this case, uh, the United States, both inside of now Yemen and, and inside of Iraq and Syria, has fundamentally increased the attack level just a, a little bit, but not to the point where it's disproportional of taking out, you know, multiple, multiple sites, attacking into Iran and really increasing what was going on there. Hey, but Tony, one more thing about the no-fly zone. I don't say that lightly. I, I agree with you that, you know, in the past, that seems to be politicians throwing around, let's put a no-fly zone over over Iraq. And what I mean by that is uh, we we already control the airspace. We don't, we didn't have uh, the, we don't have to worry about SA sevens or thir- or three hundreds or missiles firing our, our defenses out, but we need to must have must have a better control of what's flying there in those drones. And it looks like we didn't go after them before. This this was an accident. As it turns out, the the the, the operators thought that the the drone that hit the the site was a friendly drone. So that's my point about better no fly zone, better area with regard to controlling the airspace there. That that to me is the tragedy of this whole thing. Is that American? Well, they they certainly did allow the the, the drone in. They they mistook yeah. it for possibly one one of ours. Right. It doesn't change the fact that Americans were killed, and it was done right. uh, by by Iran. But I want to get back to this proportionality conversation because people take proportionality as well. They killed three of ours, so we have to take three of theirs. No, proportionality is supposed to be how do you engage an operation to ensure the safety and security of your people and your nation? And then how do you address that operation with the proper amount of hardware uh, and, and, and intel? So if the proper response is killing 100 members of the Iranian guard, well, then that's the proper response. And then proportionality is ensuring that you deliver the proper amount of bombardment to make that objective come true not that it's three for three i think the number should be three thousand for three but not everybody is on my side where does this administration see the idea of proper response well let's also let's also kind of talk both proportionality and deterrence so for example we already have a proportionate advantage over our enemy just our equipment alone uh, from what you just said, I mean, we, we we normally protect our forces. That, to me, was the greatest tragedy in this whole situation is that uh, we didn't protect our forces. And so so normally by everything we do, United States power and just the fact logistics, look at that base, for example, in Jordan. It's got to be one of the most austere places on the planet. The fact that we can get in there and keep soldiers fed, watered and, and work missions and they're working with Syrian defense forces and doing lots of different things just shows the level of U.S. superiority and might. But deterrence, I think that's what you're talking about. And because that that's about consequences. That's about making sure that if you do something, that there's going to be such a grave consequence. So so I that's kind of where they go together, proportionality with deterrence. Uh, and again, I'm not sure we're not sure we're there yet. I think it's going to take time whether the Shia militia groups know that there's going to be a greater consequence for attacking U.S. forces. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. Um, part of a response is to send the message of don't do this again, and not only to uh, those who engage the attack, but those who might be looking from the outside. As a matter of message being sent across borders, Mm -hmm. does this response tell anybody, ooh, the United States is serious, or how many rounds would there have to be before people thought the, the United States was serious? 
Well, I, I think we're waiting to see what's happening, right? What's happening back channel with Iran to the United States right now? What what specifically is going on there? So, like for example, we saw uh, the 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 um, Shia militia groups now attack a Syrian group, a Syrian defense force group that's working with the United States uh, in combating ISIS. And so perhaps this is what the Shia militia groups are doing now. They're not going to necessarily go after um, U.S. forces. You saw KT Hezbollah basically say that that they were going to cease military operations. But that's not to say they won't attack other groups that are aligned with Americans. Now, this goes to show maybe that the Iranians don't have any kind of say or sway over what those Shia militia groups are doing. I'm not trying to give any benefit of the doubt here. Uh, but the bottom line is that that really might be the case. You know, these kinds of authoritarian governments don't control things that they would like to control. Uh, they have their own inside issues. They have their own challenges keeping uh, the power as, as it may be. So I think that um, we're going to see a little bit of a pause here before I think more targets come to play. But I do believe those targets will be more the leadership when they start coming back to Iraq to try to lead some of these organizations. Let me share some of this with you. This was uh, Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor, uh, doing, of course, the Sunday shows. And we'll start with uh, Face the Nation over there on CBS. So the U.S. officially has not assessed that Tehran directed the attack. But has Tehran done anything to rein in the militias that they fund and arm? Well, we know that Iran is behind these militia groups. They train them, they fund them, they arm them, as, as your question suggests. Uh, and they do have influence with them. And I can't sit here today and tell you that Tehran has shifted its policy. Uh, what I can tell you is what the United States' approach is going to be, which is that if we continue to see threats and attacks from these militia groups, we will respond to them and we will hold those responsible accountable. Let's start with the step one uh, of this. There is no one seriously considering or engaged in a serious conversation that these groups aren't actually Iran. Proxy, militia groups, however you want to call it. This is Iran dictating the attack on American forces. No one's questioning that, are they? I think they are. I think they're saying, you know, dictating is, is one thing and, you know, causation, correlation. Obviously, they've been funded, trained and set up by the Iranian government. But whether they're actually saying, OK, here's the target set that you're going after. I, you know, who knows? I think that that we have to see if whether that's the case or not. If we can show proof for that, that's that's different through intel. But I, I don't think that that is the case. I do believe that these Shia militia groups work off of intent, commander's intent, as we call it in the military. And what that means is. The Iranian government says, go do whatever you can to um, to keep America on their toes and to and to try to harass and interdict as much as you can on American forces there. Uh, now, who's to say that uh, that they take that they've taken that a step too far? They say these one, you know, they send these one way suicide drones. We don't know how many they've sent in the past. We've just intercepted them as well. So I think that's more or less what's happening here. I'm, I'm not saying that the Iranians are specifically giving them targets, but I'm saying they've given them the intent to do what they're doing. So uh, I want to make sure we were clear about that because I certainly believe it's possible that the Iranians were, were giving targets. Uh, your point is they're given basically a level of carte blanche, but it's still the Iranians making this happen. This isn't some rogue group making this rogue decision out there well out of bounds of what the Iranian authority is. The authority is go get them, Tiger. 
Yeah, I mean, it's more more than just an invisible hand. I'd give you that. Uh, it's it's again, it's by intent. They've given them all this equipment. They they've given them the high sign, let's say. But but the bottom line is, they're not telling them, okay, on this date at this time at three o'clock in the morning, we're going to attack Americans at this position. I, I'm not even sure that she militia groups have got that level of, of you know dexterity or that level of precision with what what they're doing. And again, that that target was well outside, was was hundreds of miles away of where those Shia militia groups were. That's just why it was a drone, because that uh, and it's and again, it's pretty hard to send a drone, a drone from a couple hundred miles away and, and basically hit a tent in the middle of the desert. Let's get to a, a part two. This was, again, Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor, this time on CNN. And to defend our troops, that's what he's going to continue to do going forward. You said it's just the beginning, and I just want to clarify. That means that there will be more strikes coming in the next few days. What it means is that we will take further action. I'm not going to obviously describe the character of that action because I don't want to telegraph our punches, uh, but there will be further action. Inside Iran, would you rule that out at this point? Look, sitting on a, a national TV program, I'm not going to rule in and rule out uh, any activity anywhere. Uh, what I am going to say is that the president will do what he thinks needs to be done and, again, reinforce the point that he's going to uh, defend our forces and also that he is not looking to get into a war. Well, he may not be looking to get into a war, but as I have argued, Major, the war is here. Iran is at war with us, even if we have yet to figure out we're at war with Iran. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. But but to this point, the, the question that da Dana Bash was asking on, on, on CNN, well, I cannot envision the situation in which uh, Joe Biden has the resolve to put an end to the Ayatollah, the mullahs, the hardliners, the clerics, and let's start calling Iran Persia again and engage some trade and see a free uh, a free world. Um, is there any position that is taken by the U.S. military to say that the next hit is on Tehran and 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 hard? I think that uh, it's significant if that's the case. Um, I'm sure we have targets there. We could we can always go after. Uh, perhaps um, if we get proof that cruise missiles leave Iranian territory and hit American forces and have a mass casualty event, I mean that that would maybe be a scenario that that would happen. Um, but but again, um, I, that is a very big step up with regard to escalation. And um, you know we're, we wouldn't if we go to war with Iran, we're not winning anything from the sky. I mean, what what does that even mean? I mean, we're, we're having a hard enough time trying to fend off the Houthis uh, and, you know, keeping that, that them at bay in the Red Sea. So I, I think that's all part of this situation. You know, that no one wants to, they don't want to either. Uh, they, the Iranians want the United States out, that's for sure. Um, diplomacy has clearly failed there, but um, we just at this point need to get them to stop attacking Americans on the ground. Well, that's, that's not going to stop if they feel that it's a, it's a stratagem. That provides them uh, some level of, of value. And certainly they can argue that the killing of three Americans provides them some value now. Yeah. And, and, and it's 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 how they operate. It's it's a thousand cuts. It's they you know, they start with this kind of this low grade retro irregular warfare uh, is that what they do. And, and we respond conventionally. Um but again, if, if it can tip over somehow there in the Middle East, if it can tip. So, for example, the Kurds, the Kurds still remain 
uh, an enemy of the Iranians as well. They, they're considered separatists. The Iranians have attacked them over the past three months. The, the Iranians have problems on all their borders, their southern borders in Baluchistan. You saw them attack into Pakistan, separatist groups there. So just, you know, conflict is, is the nature of the Middle East. Um, and that's why, that's why the United States is going to continue to be there, at least to try to contain it, keep it in a sandbox. And, and unfortunately, uh, commanders are going to expect losses at times. Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. There is more to get to. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. I thought it was worth repeating that a professor who got fired for putting a machete to the neck of a reporter now got fired from a different university for being a Jew hater. But they had gotten hired after putting a machete to the neck of a journalist. So let's not go about thinking that Cooper Union is all of a sudden a great place. Look at what they were willing to hire. And it goes to prove a point that the political left, they always give each other a second chance. There's always another opportunity. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Find it all at TonyKatz.com. Uh, this is uh, Shalene, S-H-E-L-L-Y-N-E. Is it Shalene Rodriguez? She was at Hunter College. She put the machete to a, a, a reporter's neck who knocked on her door. Um, she's the one who destroyed a display uh, that was a, a pro-life display. Who dare you? You're a man. You can't talk about abortion like anybody could tell you what a man is. My gosh. Next, I'll be able to tell you what a woman is. Don't get ridiculous. Uh, now, uh, been fired from Cooper Union because, uh, you know, uh, Jews. Cooper Union has fired me because of a social post I made about Zionists. Effective immediately. This is fascism. Y'all are learning about it in real time. Stay strong and brave. Stay defiant. Don't bite your tongue and drink plenty of water. Uh, okay. Drink plenty of water. That sounds that 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 sounds that sounds solid. <laughs> and then uh, uh, she she ended it with what I think I'm pronouncing it right, palante which means uh, always forward. Uh, don't don't look back. Okay, sure. What, whatever, whatever you say. I, I don't think it's fascism. I think that a university doesn't owe you a, a job. I think that they can decide to get rid of you. Uh, I think that if, if, if you are uh, threatening people with a machete, maybe you shouldn't have been hired to begin with. Maybe that should have been your first clue that Cooper Union doesn't really have uh, the best uh, moral uh, standing, right? I mean, for you, the moral standing is somehow support of Israel. I'm a Zionist. I, I support Israel's existence. Uh, you, you think it's okay to threaten journalists. And they hired you. So I knew already that Cooper Union wasn't perfect. And now you know they're not perfect. But, but it has nothing to do with the fact that they've got people there who think Israel should exist. And maybe Jewish students shouldn't be attacked in school libraries or in, or in lunch halls like has, has happened there. Maybe, maybe the, the problem was the hiring of you. Nope, nope, definitively. But don't worry, she'll get another, jo uh, another job because she's a truth teller. She's a commie. 
Who wants to burn it all down? Dear Lord, this is exactly what we don't need in any education system anywhere. If you see this near your kids, uh, do something about it, won't you? This is Tony Katz today. Is Victoria Sparks, Congresswoman from the 5th District of Indiana, going to run again? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you because the rumor mill has been going on a bit of overtime. And the rumor mill has been discussing whether or not Congresswoman Victoria Sparks is going to run for re-election. After saying she was not going to run, you've seen people get into the race in the 5th District of Indiana. Now, the question is, has she decided to actually run for re-election? Congresswoman Victoria Sparts joins me right now. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Congresswoman, are you running for re-election? Thank you, Tony. Good morning. I think we decided to make the statement this morning, and, uh, you know, as I said, you know, deciding where duty lies is very difficult, but I truly believe and meeting with a lot of people on the ground is a challenging times. And um, I need uh, people of the 5th District decide and God decide because I need to deliver for them. And unfortunately, what's happening in D.C. right now, I'm not sure if it's going to happen this Congress. I work very hard. We're still moving some issues, but I haven't seen my Republicans be able to hold the ground. We probably need to have new people in Washington, D.C., especially a new president. So you're not happy with what you're seeing, which is not a a thing that is odd to hear from a member of of Congress. And your response now is, I need to run again to help fix it? Well, I've been working very hard to fix it. I worked last Congress. We had to take speaker down. We put a new speaker who actually wants to do things. The other one didn't want to do anything. This one wants to do things, but doesn't know how and really inherited a lot of problems. So I think, you know, there are very significant issues this country is facing. And I need I'm not sure if my Republicans will be able to do it this Congress because, you know, Senate, unfortunately, is very corrupt. You know, president is very corrupt and he doesn't want to govern. So I cannot abandon some of these issues, we, you know, and I don't see them be able to be resolved. And, you know, I want you know, I talk to a lot of people and I think a lot of Americans are frustrated. So I want them to make the choice. And ultimately, competition is good. They might have, have some other choices. But I can tell you, I will not let them down and I'll work hard. But I need to deliver. We have serious national security issues and crisis is happening right now. So you are back in this race, Tony Katz, uh, talking to Congresswoman Victoria Sparks of the 5th District, who is made the decision to run for re-election. It was a very public declaration that you weren't uh, going uh, to run. Does this come on the heels of this border legislation coming out of the Senate, this so-called bipartisan deal with Senator Langford, Republican from Oklahoma, Senator Murphy from Connecticut, Democrat, and Senator Sinema, so-called independent fr- from Arizona? Was, was that the, des- the decider or was there something else going on? 
there are two big issues, border security and national debt. And unfortunately, this is an issue that's destructive for our country. And unfortunately, we haven't been able to hold the ground as we should the Republicans. Unfortunately, we don't have too many allies in the Senate and uh, the House hasn't been as strong, but we have to get stronger. And I need to help to get my colleagues stronger and actually deliver. And because this is not just really something that, you know, just happen overnight. This is not just something, you know, that is a small issue. This is a material issue being neglected by our institutions. We tried to reform it. We did. We did a lot of reforms. You know, we tried to create policies, task forces. I work extremely hard on a lot of these issues. And I think the speaker still wanted to do it, but I haven't seen him be able to accomplish these things. I haven't been able. And there are different, it's a combination of things. He inherited some problems. But he's also a good human being, but I'm not sure if he's as strong as a fire. So let's let's first talk about the the, the Speaker of the House, uh, uh, Mike Johnson. Let, let's talk about how uh, you, Kevin McCarthy was removed. You voted in a couple different ways on that, sometimes not voting, and then uh, voting for him when he was Speaker of the House. Then he was um, the, the, the vote to vacate, and he was removed. The three weeks it took to get a new Speaker, Speaker Mike Johnson, put in, who seemingly is not objectionable to anybody in the ways, I guess, Congressman Jim Jordan or Congressman Steve Scalise, uh, were objectionable to some members of the Republican Party. Is Mike Johnson the leader that the Republicans need to solve, as you call it, the big issues? Well, I think, you know, we can't just put on land Mike. He inherited a lot of problems, and I think he has the good ideas and good views on things. But unfortunately, we need to get stronger as Republicans, and the whole party need to rethink how we're going to deliver for the people, because we underestimate the other side. They are very agile. They're very corrupt. They're accumulating a lot of money, and they have a strategy to destroy. And it's a very, very effective. I mean, I'll have to tell you, they're brilliant in what they do. You need to recognize your position. So our party needs to get our act together. And it will not be just Speaker Johnson, but we ultimately need to rethink at the party because I'm not sure if this year in Congress now is going to be as effective as it should have. But, uh, you know, I have to give, you know, I am disappointed with many decisions that Mike recently did, our speaker. I understand that he was put in a tough situation and he's really not used to fight with the Senate. And Chuck Schumer, he has a lot of money and a lot and a lot of Republicans in the Senate the same way. So it's not just Democrats. If, you know, we push on them a little bit and you know, not a little lot to hold the ground on the border. And they just cutting deals instead of bringing good legislation. And unfortunately, they're not willing to hold the ground with us. So we'll have to figure out how to do. And we probably need to have much fresher leaders in Washington, D.C. But also, I hope we will have presidents, you know, who is willing to fight for the people. Do you have somebody in mind that you'd like to see run for speaker? Well, listen, it's going to be a big discussion. You know, I think we have some good people over there that, you know, don't want to take this position. And sometimes you probably want to have people that do not want positions to be in positions, not like their ambition all their life to be a speaker and making deals and four-corner deals. I don't understand how that works. The speaker of the house, you know, that's how they make deals. Four of them meet. 
And they decided, you know, now Chuck Schumer and Jeffries vote and Mitch McConnell is pretty much a Democrat now. And they overrule the speaker. And I say, how could that be if you are the third most powerful person in the country and your vote matters as much as Jeffries? Why are you the speaker then? I think that is the culture of Washington to see a mentality that needs to get out of the head of a lot of people. But unfortunately, the muscle memory is very strong. We change a lot of rules. I fought enormously to change the rules. That's why we were able to push Speaker McCarthy to do something. Well, now, you know, Speaker Johnson, he suspends the rules. You know, when you suspend the rules, you know, it takes two thirds. So he's cutting deal with Democrats. That is not acceptable. We cannot govern that way. Talking to Congresswoman Victoria Sparts of the Indiana 5th District, who has made the decision that she will run again for re-election. This, you have had people jump into this race. You've had Chuck Goodrich, a a business owner in in the area who can self-fund. You had Max Engling get into this race. You did member services with uh, Speaker uh, Kevin McCarthy, young man with a a lot of talent. you had a chance to keep everybody out. Now you've got people in. You've got competition. How do you now sell this to the people of the 5th District, full disclosure, my district, uh, that uh, this decision um, should not be met with uh, derision, but rather with uh, joy? Well, listen, competition is always good, and competition is always makes us strong in choice, you know, and people will have an ability to decide, you know, where, you know, and that that's, you know, like a lot of people are afraid. Actually, it's a good to debate, to deliberate, and people will decide who will represent them better, and they have a track record. I have a track record. I can tell you one thing that, you know, I it's a great honor, huge responsibility. If I have the honor to represent people again, I'm going to fight very hard, and I'm going to win for them. But ultimately, that's not up to me. I always say the people and God decide, and I will follow that decisions. you know. But I had a lot of town halls and had a lot of people upset, you know, that this is a very challenging time for our republic, and I cannot abandon them. And I understand that my duty to the republic at this time probably more important. And if people are willing, you know, for me to fight for them, you know, they will have me there. If not, they will have someone else. That's what elections are, and that's why elections should be. We should have more competitions, not like we have now kings, like they have a King Biden now that they've already half a dad, and they still want to have him, who is not even able to think and govern the country. We should not have that. We need to have fresh people, fresh ideas. So I'm not afraid, and it's good to have choice. So I think it's good, and people will have to decide. That was Congresswoman Victoria Sparks from the Indiana 5th District announcing that she's running for re-election. Now, this is my district in Indiana. What do I I think of all of this? I think there will be some people, as I've already seen people uh, reaching out to me, thrilled that she's running again. Some people saying, nope, I've moved on. She said that she was going to spend time with her family, and now all of a sudden she's running. What? She couldn't get a job in the private sector? Oh, wait, she isn't done, uh, you know, getting uh, uh, inside information on stocks. People say all sorts of things. I'm not saying that Representative Sparks has ever done anything like that. I am saying that I don't know if the reaction in the 5th District is going to be all smiles. I also don't don't know if it's going to move certain people out of the race. I talk about Max Engling, who was member services director for Speaker McCarthy. He knows how D.C. works. Uh, He's running in the 5th District. Young guy, decent, decent dude. 
you've got Chuck Goodrich, who is, uh, you know, uh, has has the electric company, has made the money, and can self-fund. There's no saying he's going to get out of this race just because Sparks has jumped back in. There will be some people who get out and some people who had no shot to begin with. Well, as long as I have no shot, I might as well stay in and maybe build up a little bit of name ID. It can't hurt. And they're going to stay in this race. But it changes many things. Now, in Indiana, there's a lot. Oh, my gosh. You've got the governor's race. You've got the Senate race. You have the race in, in the 6th district, the race in the 8th district, the race in the 3rd district. Now the race in the 5th. I mean, the 5th was already going to be something. It, it, there's a lot happening in Indiana politics this election cycle. A tremendous amount that that is happening. But I, I, I will say again, just, just uh, as clear as can be, I don't know what this is going to mean. I don't know whether or not she is going to get a, a full embrace. Remember, she's the incumbent. And it doesn't matter when the incumbent decides to stay. Uh, it, it, the, the incumbency matters, and it will matter to, to a re-election bid. I just don't know if she waited out too long to let people make other decisions, specifically with their money. Where, where is, 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 is the money that she would need for a race. And she's got her own money, don't get me wrong, but have these other people been able to secure donors in a way that could have a, a deleterious effect, negative effect on her and her ability to fundraise and properly campaign? I, I honestly don't know. Not sure. But, but what to her commentary that there are too many problems and, and D.C. will basically make the argument that D.C. needs someone like me. Um, that's, I mean, that, that's an interesting argument. I mean, we, we could all be clear that to run for office, you have to have a level of ego. Look, I've thought about running for office numerous times, including I've thought about running in, in the fifth district. It's, it's where I live. Uh, I have decided against doing it. I, I dig what I'm doing and I think there's an impact here and I want, I want to hold on to that. I want to, I want to utilize that, but there's no doubt it's because we we feel I feel that there's an impact. So my ego is big enough to know that you want to be in a place where you're having an impact and you feel that you are and you want to share what that is. So I'm not surprised that an elected official would would feel that way. I guess the question is, do the people of the fifth, do the people of Indiana feel that way? I don't have an answer for that question at all. I don't know how they, 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 they see it. Will they see that as something that's egotistical? Oh, only she can save us. And for the people who are like, that's egotistical, are you also a Trump supporter? Because that's the argument <laughs> that he and his supporters are making. It's the argument that I have vehemently opposed. You want to take the lessons, you got to be able to have other people. Otherwise, it's idolatry, and that's a bad, bad game. That's a zero-sum game. I think that's a loser. So... She's playing a little bit of the same or a lot of bit of the same type of methodology. I don't know how it's going to be responded to. What I do know is that it makes the race fascinating. It makes it fascinating not only in a, a, a primary where now some people can get really bloodied. What happens in a general? If I'm the Democratic Party, I'm like, run somebody. Let them be in all sorts of their fights, and you've got a campaign. You know, again, if, if, if it's not Victoria Sparks, it's, it's equal footing. If it is Victoria Sparks, oh, couldn't make up your mind. Oh, look what you did. You, you can play the whole thing. I think there's just going to be a lot there to watch, a tremendous amount there 
to watch. I appreciate Congresswoman Sparks coming on the show, making the announcement. This is Tony Katz today. As Liz Cheney said, and and he basically admitted he was going around spreading a lie about January the 6th, trying to keep good people to sign on uh, a, a letter that would continue the lie and help Ken Paxson spread the lie in Texas. Uh, he lied about that. He's lying about this. Uh, he knows. I mean, James Lankford uh, has said, I, I wish they would all read the bill. Right. I wish they would understand how strong the bill is. But the sad thing is, and it's pathetic, and, you know, we say things can be two things at once. I mean, the, the, the new speaker is both dangerous and pathetic. Dangerous. <laughs> That's Joe Scarborough, a guy who has not read the bill that came out of the Senate regarding the border, but he has decided that the speaker is dangerous and pathetic. Oh, okay. You haven't read the legislation. You did not, in less than 24 hours, read 370 pages. No, you did not. You fraud. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Why in the world? Or do we have all these people of every stripe discussing this border bill with these these certitudes? They haven't read anything yet. If you ask me if I trust Senator Chris Murphy, I absolutely do not. The Democrat from Connecticut, I think he is weak. I think he, he has been a beta since I first knew his name. Do I trust Senator Cinema? I absolutely do not. Do I trust Senator Langford? I think it's some of the things he has discussed regarding banking and Secretary of Treasury uh, Yellen have been exquisite. I'm not trusting anything until I read this legislation. Not trusting a thing. Why would anyone start reading, start finding the sources that do read these things and start going over it? The good and the bad, and then let's make a decision from there. But just like I don't trust Senator Chris Murphy... I don't trust Joe Scarborough even more. Can't believe that guy makes more money than I do. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.